This is F Society IRC Podcast, a Mr. Robot show. I'm your moderator of this chat, Hiroja Shine. Hello, friends. This is Hiroja Shine, your moderator for the this chat. Uh, please note uh, that this channel, I will, I will have spoilers. Um, this is uh, my season three big theory for the season. For the season three, or I should say for the series itself. I've been talking somewhat or hanging about it from the last few episodes. But this particular theory um, is one of my own. Uh, it's one I haven't quite seen, discussed, or talked about. And it's called uh, the Washington Township Plant is the Ultimate MacGuffin. So, here we are. Okay, so we've been talking a little bit about the Washington Township Plan. I've been always irked by its presence, particularly how it was so heavily featured in Season 2, and I had all sorts of different theories on what it was going to be, what could potentially be in the plant itself. There's a lot of different Reddit theories about the plant, how it might be the source of, uh, if you believe in the whole robot theory, or maybe how it's like a time machine, or there, there's something going on within the Washington Township Plan in itself. And I believe because it's been so hinted about it by all the characters in this series that it's, that it, we're never going to see what's inside. There's never going to be revealed. It is the MacGuffin. It is a plot device. So before we get into everything, I'm going to lay down some terms. I'm going to lay down the hint that Sam Aswell has given us that the Washington Township is a MacGuffin. And by using another layer um, that was used in this uh, hidden clue, if you will, that was used in this series, and just kind of break down why I believe this. So let's get into this. What is a MacGuffin? It is actually a, a movie term. It's it, I'm taking this uh, from the good old uh, TV tropes site. I'm going to read definitely from there. Um, Alfred Hitchcock was the one that. I believe is accredited with either at least popularizing this term or actually defining it or creating it because it is a plot device that has been utilized in many movies and maybe he just just labeled it and came up with the term. So it's a quote that starts off with Alfred Hitchcock. In crook stories is always always the necklace and in spy stories is always the papers. In MacGuffin is a term for a motivating element in the story that is used to drive the plot. It serves no further purpose. It won't pop up again later. It won't explain the ending. It won't do anything except possibly distract you while you try to figure out its significance. In some cases, it, it won't even be shown. It's usually a mysterious package slash artifact slash super weapon that everyone in the story is chasing. Determine if a theme is a MacGuffin. Is the nature of the item interchangeable? If it's an object of great value, there's a little difference between a diamond, priceless painting, or exotic statue. The quest surrounding it would differ only trivially. The plans surrounding it that would be largely the same. The mission to transport to a specific place would be largely the same. The investigation to locate it would be the same, etc. Imagine when reading the script, replace the name of the item, and ask if the story is all that different. 2. Is the nature of the item irrelevant to the plot? All MacGuffins have some extraordinary value, whether it be monetary, prestige, historical, significant, supernatural power, or forgotten knowledge. These things are often, but not always, explained in detail within the story. So the audience understands the desire, but these elements are not vital to build the plot. Any uselessness from having the item in, 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 is either non-existent, often due to the no, to no MacGuffin, no winner, or regularly to the code of the story and the plot and the desire of the item is over. 
If it passes both of these criteria, then congratulations to McGuffin. So, <clears throat> it definitely, the Washington Township plant in and of itself definitely falls under major of the item of is interchangeable. Like a, it's like a super weapon, if you will. And everyone in this story has motivations for this particular item, if you will. This place. Um, and it could be any place. If you Washington Township, it could be like the E building or uh, a bank or other, some other piece of property in itself uh, to make it interchangeable. There's, they, they have not disclosed anything significantly unique about the Washington Township plan other than it's a nuclear power plant. And I think that attribute in itself is, is immaterial. So you have White Rose who allowed herself to get blackmailed in the sense to give trillion, $2 trillion to Price in order to maintain access to the Washington Township plant. Price controls the Washington Township plant, but he doesn't care about the Washington Township plant. He considers it nothing. He just, he got what he wanted from White Rose, which is the $2 trillion uh, loan from it. You have Angela and Elliot, whose parents work at the Washington Township plant, and they, um, you know, of course, died. Mr. Robot, which is the image of, you know, Elliot's father, um, you know, hid his illness from his family, and it caused a great series, you know, problems within the family itself, particularly with Elliot feeling very guilty having told his mother what was going on with his father. And his mother, of course, having a great resentment against his father for not fighting the illness against, uh, that he got from E-Corp. There's um, Darlene's motivation about the Washington Township plan going after the lawyer who uh, headed the lawsuit that their family tried to go against E-Corp. And, of course, E-Corp won, um, you know, basically, you know, putting the family to be penniless and no compensation for the death of their father. So there's a lot of ties and motivations, and you had Angela seeking out information, of, you know, for one, making sure that the lawsuit in itself was settled, that many of the plaintiffs were still pursuing against E-Corp, uh, blackmailing uh, to, uh, Kobe to testify what he knew about um, the leak and the cover-up by E-Corp, decided uh, to get a position within E-Corp itself, but also to uh, position herself close not only to Price, because Price was curious about her in some sense, and we're not really too sure about Price's relationship. So you can see how people are moving on up through the chain of the plot here. Angela uh, seeking to settle the Washington Township uh, lawsuit, uh, actually bringing the lawsuit back forward because of the hacks by Elliot, and we'll get back to uh, F Society there, the hack that Elliot did, bribing uh, Kobe um, to get him to testify in the fact that he was aware of the cover-up. Uh, in exchange, Angela would testify that the DAT file that uh, her company all safe, that she uh, mishandled it, and therefore Kobe is not responsible for the actual hack against E-Corp. And with her position, with her tracking down this Washington Township plan, she went all the way to the Nuclear Regulatory uh, Commission after she hacked into E-Corp. And the reason she was able to do this is because she had the ducky um, hacking device that uh, the 
and we'll get into the F Society part of it, um, allowed her to be able to hack and obtain information about the Washington Township lawsuit, in particular about the um, high levels of radiation. This is even after she was able to get the settlement of the lawsuit so that she could, in essence, move into the position that she wanted to be. So she used that as leverage to move herself into the position she wanted to be so she can have direct access to the lawsuit so she can get hold of those files and find out exactly how it was that her mother died. And as a result of finding out that information and finding out about the Washington Township plant and the radiation levels that were extremely high, she disclosed it to the, the nuclear regulatory community. That place, placed her in the crosshairs of White Rose, which caused her to uh, be questioned by White Rose. And we'll talk about Angela and that, those questions um, in a moment's time. So we can follow along Angela's path here with the plot device of the Washington Township plant motivating her because, you know, the death of her, for her mother. Um, this is why she knows Elliot. That's why she has such a close ties to both Elliot and Darlene. They, they have um, a shared experience of the death of a, of a parent as a result of working at the Washington Township plant. Um, being able to, because of the hack and Becoming, becoming part of a society, being able to obtain information about the Washington Township plant, she's able to gain certain access and certain knowledge because of this. Now, Elliot's direct motivation is going after E Corp because they blame them for the death of their father. And they want to take down E Corp um, not only as an act of vengeance, but also to change society as a whole. Particularly Elliot, he's not very satisfied with society, he feels society is very corrupt that people are being beaten down, abused, being shackled, and that by basically upturning the entire, you know, economic structure of the, the world by taking down E-Corp, it's going to free everybody. And he has a bit of, you know, a lot of alienation, things of that nature. Now, of course, because of his guilt of, because he was a child at the time, of telling his mother about his father's illness, his father throwing him out the window, uh, it seems like there was quite a lot of abuse going on uh, with both of his parents. Um, you know, Elliot rejects the image of his father as this kind of a vengeful, vengeful, vengeful demon that's driving this plan to take down E Corp. And this also centers around the fact because his father died because of the Washington Township plant. And because of the hack, his targeting of E Corp to take it down, his targeting of Colby, who's one of the executives, that has ties to the lawsuit, ties of me knowing about the leak and covering it up. He tried to blame the initial hack on him. It, you know, it complicated things for F Society in itself because he made things a little bit too personal. But he wanted to take that person down because, uh, you know, he blames that person for the death of his family, of his, of his father and the destruction and sense of his family. Um... And again, that's, that's the ties with Elliot to the Washington Township plant in and of itself. Uh, it may also tie into the whole brownout issue because it's a nuclear power plant and because it uh, probably is no doubt um, tied to the, to the grid. Um, there may be um, its failures and the things that are going on because of the results of the hack by E Corp, on E Corp by F Society. Um, it may, it plays in a part in the sense of, you know, maybe possibly stage two or some, some sense, but you know, that is, it's ties to Elliot. It helps him, you know, it's just the cause, the, the cause of him going down this path that he's doing. Darlene, of course, uh, killing, uh, 
forgot what the lawyer's name is, but, but killing Susan, Susan something, uh, killing her was because she was a lawyer that headed up and protected uh, E Corp from, from the lawsuit, from any liabilities or any issues because of the death of her father and not, you know, compensating her family and just, you know, protecting these evil people. And so that's, you know, kind of in a sense, you know, Darwin's relationship to the whole thing, lost her father, um, destruction of her family, and the fact that this woman had a hand or a part in it, you can say in a sense. And then you, of course, have White Rose. For whatever reason, she not only is trying to stop uh, Angela from continuing her pursuit of knowledge of the Washington Township plant, um, was able to bribe, was bribed by Price, um, so she may, 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 may um, maintain control of the Washington Township plant. But she also was um, responsible for the death of the CEO previous to Price, uh, because that CEO wanted to stop whatever is going on in the Washington Township plant. So she is heavily motivated to keep this whatever this whatever is going on with the plant going. And so that's her motivation. She wants control of this particular, I guess you can say, super weapon, this object, if you will. Who else has ties? So there is the motivation. Price, Price doesn't give a shit. Okay, he wants E Corp. He wants to be the the most powerful person in a room, and he wants to and the Washington Town Plan was just a means of him obtaining that two trillion dollar buyout that he needed so he can launch eCoin and keep continuing on with uh, eCorp. Now, while Angela may at one point have been going after the Washington Township plant, you know, with uh, pursuing the lawsuit and then eventually settling it in favor of eCorp and then leveraging that favor to get into access into the particular department so she can find out all the information about the Washington Township plant. Uh, that is not her ultimate motivation, really. It's taken down equal. That's what Elliot, Angela, are being brought into F Society. Even White Rose being the head of uh, Dark Army, as well as the Minister of Security in China, is taking down Ecorp and the Washington Township plant is the genesis, the plot device, the mechanism to doing so. So, continuing on with the definition, a column McGuffin short story can even summarize as quickly must find X before they do. A standard plot device broader being anything that motivates the character to get from point A to point B and beyond, which could be as simple as an invitation to a party, uh, which is kind of the way in which uh, I'm able to get into that department. The invitation gets the plot going, but it's not the goal of the characters. Uh, compare uh, magnetic plot devices, which is an explanation of why the characters are getting into repeated adventures. Uh, the term is popularized by Alfred Hitchcock, okay, who credited one of his screenwriters, Angus McPhill, with the creation of the concept and the name of a particular schoolboy joke. And the joke goes like this. Imagine in riding on the train when a second gentleman gets on and sits down across from him. The first man notices the second is holding an oddly shaped package. The first man asks, what is that? A MacGuffin, tool used to hunt lions in Scotland. But there's no lions in Scotland Highlands, says the first man. Well then, says the second man, that's no MacGuffin. I, I, I don't know. Okay. Hitchcock and Angus McFarlane were not the first to formulate this concept. Uh, some actress Pearl White started in cliffhanger serials 
uh, mostly when she's in the film The Pearls of Pauline, in which the characters spend most of their screen time chasing each other for the possession of a royal film or some other doodad. The device will occur so often in Pearly White's serial films that she routinely referred to the coveted object as a weenie, using the term precisely as Hitchcock would later use MacGuffin. In academic circles, this is sometimes called the Golden Fleece, after the artifact for the myth of Jason and the Argonauts. The fleece was first mentioned by the Greek poet uh, Sinaitis, which makes this trope older than feudalism. Contrast mock guffin for an object that really isn't a MacGuffin and is mistaken for one. I don't believe the Washington Tom- Township plant is a MacGuffin. And if you want to start arguing that your favorite series' most awesome magical thing isn't a MacGuffin, remember that tropes are tools. Having a MacGuffin is not necessarily bad writing, depending on how it's handled, and concretely defining or giving a central role to the object of a chase can detract from the work if the point is to focus on the characters. So the Washington Township plan here is to help us focus on the motivations of the characters and not necessarily the part of the plot or, well, part of the whole integral motivation or, uh, yeah, I guess you could say the series plot. And we have a bunch of sub-McGuffins down here. Um, I have a link to this particular link for you. So you have that. Why I on to this, what I think is um, what the Washington Township plant is, is you have to think about Sam Ismail and the way they do this show. The show is so weird. There's so many hints and so many little asides that play pay off either in the particular season that you're watching or in later seasons. For example, uh, when the very first season um, in your episode was talking to the Ron Coffee's guy owner and explaining how he loved this place because of the fast Wi-Fi, but it got his brain itching, thinking, why is his Wi-Fi And then he found out the reason why that was. This was when the first meeting of some of the members of F Society as they're meeting in the very same coffee shop You know, the reason why he came here is because, you know, he saw a red post, and it has such great work. And you also see Darlene coming in and explain, you know, what, what the plan is, and she's substituting for Elliot. But it kind of gives you a hint and an idea of something that was talked about very, the very first episode, and you're seeing it, seeing them all meeting at this place before the events the first episode. It shows, you know, you know, hackers kind of go to, you know, the best Wi-Fi spots and stuff like that. They interact and engage in different ways. You know, Trenton was uh, hacking Moby, kind of using a little bit of social engineering. And, you know, Moby, who was like in the Wi-Fi and stuff like that, didn't question why this particular coffee spot had such high, um, valuable Wi-Fi, if you will, the speed, if you will, but that's something that Elliot would do, and it kind of contrasted the very nature of the different type of hackers um, that they are, and it really separates Elliot from them. So it was a, a nice little hint there. Another big layer that has happened um, in this show was when White Rose had Angela picked up because she um, made that um, bomb of drop of information at the nuclear regulatory um, place. She was asked a series of questions. It was like an O2, like two different, like two different uh, TV shows. One is, or not TV shows, one was, uh, you know, uh, David Lynch had a very David Lynch and Blade Runner, the uh, 
uh, cyberpunk sci-fi uh, movie of asking questions of um, robots to make sure that they're human to test in their empathy level. And um, this also gives the feed into the uh, common theory that either Angela or Elliot are either robots, androids, or some kind of chip is in their head that's programming them. Um, was I going with? Okay, so she was asked a question of what kind of animal she is, and I'm not going to give the answer. If, you read, if you've been seeing some of the social media, you might get even a hint. But in the very first season, if you rewatched this prior to season three, is I believe it's uh, episode nine uh, when or episode eight when Angela goes back home to live with her father because she, uh, she broke up with Ollie. She no longer has a job, and this is when she was gonna eventually gets approached by Kobe. There is a hint in the the room setting, if you will, in her father's home of the answer to that question, and you wouldn't have thought anything of it if you noticed it. Um, until the very moment she's asked that question. And so you can, you kind of already know what her answer is going to be. And this is just that the way that the hints and layers, like every piece has meaning, every piece has something, um, attached to it. For example, I personally think the Romero was in fact by a drug dealer's bad, and that might actually be Romero. It might go back to that. But that's just, Maybe that's just hopeful thinking. Um, because I, I just really like that character. He's a big scumbag, but I do think he's going to pop up like a jack-in-a-box at some point in this, this show. So there's these type of little hints and layers that are built in throughout the series. Some of them are very obvious and some are very subtle. Just as like Angela's question being the question that's asked about what type of animal she is. And so what I thought that was very strange and wasn't really brought up again was when Elliot in episode 9 is the big revelation about his father and his and a flashback of when he was a kid. And um, a customer comes in and says, you know, your Shanto sold $20 for me. Um, Mr. Robot, uh, you know, how is real father? is like, you know, my kid wouldn't do that. And the guy was like, you know, badgering, saying, you know, my 14-year-old retired nephew and stuff like that. And he comes the fuck off and basically leaves. And the guy leaves. And he calls again and asks him, you know, Elliot, you know, show me the money. And Elliot does. He's at the newspaper and he's, he's reading it the whole time. And the customer's coming in and then sit aside for a moment and then pops it back in to dismiss the guy. And he goes, so what movie do we should go see? And then he's, they're looking in the paper. He goes, you know, Stargates, Time Cop, and Elliot Clark points to Pulp Fiction. And so that's the movie they go see. Now, this is not Elliot's favorite movie. You don't hear any... I haven't seen any of my rewatching hints, like it's something like a DVD collection or something in the background or Pulp Fiction popping up again, but that is the one time Pulp Fiction popped up. And if you're familiar with the movie of Pulp Fiction, um, it has the biggest mobility of all human movie history. And that is the uh, <laughs> Marcella Wallace's uh, briefcase. Um, if you aren't familiar with the movie, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a an idea of what it's about. Uh, this is from INDD. It came out, you know, 19, so the, the events took place in 1994. So it came out in 1994. So the synopsis of INDD is the lives of two mob hitmen, a boxer, a gangster's wife, and a pair of diner bandits intertwined in four tales of violence and redemption. It's a Quentin Tarantino movie. He directed it, he wrote it. 
uh, along with Roger Avery. It stars John Travolta, Uma Thurman, and Daniel Jackson. Uh, Samuel Jackson is, and John Travolta are the two hitmen. Uma Thurman is the gangster's wife. It has Bruce Willis as a boxer. And it has, uh, who else is in it? Um, Tim Roth is um, Pumpkin, who is one of the, who is the one of the pair of bandits. And it has a lot of great character actors in it. When you watch this movie, you know, Vin Reyes plays Marcellus Wallace. And the, basically, like it says, that these stories are intertwined. And how they're intertwined is um, the two gangsters, John Travolta, Jamal Jackson, Vincent Vega, and Julius Winfield, are tasked to retrieve this briefcase from some individuals that um, it's not really clear that stole it from Marcella Wallace or they were stealing it on his behalf and just didn't return it. Um, it's been a while since I've seen the movie. But they have this briefcase and this briefcase plays a part in throughout these stories and it's the ultimate MacGuffin. And I have a link because no one knows what's in the briefcase. You never see what's in the briefcase. It's only open once and it's the end story where the bandits are robbing the diner that uh, the two gangsters are eating their breakfast in, and it glows like this very uh, glow, kind of bright yellow glow um, in the face of Tim Roth. And he goes, Is that what I think it is? And, and Samuel Jackson goes, Yeah. And then he closes the briefcase. And everyone's been wondering what exactly is in this briefcase. And there have been all sorts of kind of theories, and one of the most popular theory of it, of it is that it's. Marcel Wallace's soul. And so I have a link of uh, two very um, kind of going over that Paul Fiction YouTube videos that kind of break this down. I also have a link to a very good um, look up and description um, in the show notes as well. They're very short, they're not more than like 10 or 10 minutes at all. And it just breaks down um, about. Uh, you know, what the McGuffey term is and what Paul Fiction is. And that's what made me think that the Washington Township is a McGuffin. There is a McGuffin in this series. Samuel Jackson would not have placed the concept of Paul Fiction in this universe if it wasn't going to be a hint or a payoff that there's a McGuffin in the show. You know, Back to Future 2 is um, in this show. There's so many kind of tidbits and parallels. The concept of time that White Rose is obsessed with. The concept of uh, memory alterations, if you will, things evaporating um, if you alter something in the universe, which is what Elliot does when he forgets things. Um, it also shows like kind of the deep kinship and relationship that he has between himself and his father. You see that in the photographs when Elliot begins to remember. And I think there might be some other elements or hint at. There's also um, the whole plot of the first one was about how the Bolivians tell um, Doc how he's able to power his uh, time machine with the use of plutonium, which kind of ties into the whole Washington Township plant because it's a, a nuclear power plant and plutonium you know, does play a part in there. So this made me think that, okay, you hit one of the greatest cancer movies of all time. Um, and one of the movies known by cinephiles to have, like, the MacGuffin, the ultimate MacGuffin, if you will. The, the best movie that's ever done uh, the usage of that particular trope in your series. And this is what made me think with all the references that was in the first season, especially in the second season, that the Washington Township plant in itself is the McGuffin. We're never going to see what's inside it. We're never going to know fully what it's all about. 
it is a trope, is a plot device, is a thing that we might be chasing in the background or causing um, the players on the on the field here to move forward or move backwards or move off the board, but we will never, never know what it is. And that's going to be like that for this season, four or five throughout the series. And so, so that's, that's um, my theory. I think it's going to play. I think it's going to play up a little bit more this particular uh, season. Um, it looks very dark from the previews of the season. And again, um, I said this before, I might reiterate it right before with a little bit of an episode. Ajiro's F Society are, are not a heroes. They're kind of villains. If you look at the background and what's going on about all the messed up stuff that is happening, I mean, we call it economic collapse is not going to be very pretty. And even if it's a temporary at the moment because stage two hasn't gone off, the moment stage two does go off, it's it's going to be chaos. It's going to be warfare in the streets. It's going to get very ugly, down and dirty, and lots of people are going to die. Lots of people have already died already. Dark um, Army has demonstrated they're very committed. They have no problem killing FBI agents or civilians or anyone that gets in their way. And I think Elliot is beginning to realize that, uh, becoming to understand that a little bit, what is hinted in the, the previews, and I just think things are going to get much, much worse. So, that is it for my theory for this episode, and that kind of lead up to the season premiere, which is October 11th at 10pm, Eastern Standard Time, Pacific Standard Time on USA Network. I will be doing a live reaction right after it, um, Pacific Standard Time. Of my thoughts, it'll probably be very brief, no more than 15 minutes, both on um, Facebook. And I might do a YouTube one, but I'm definitely doing it on the Facebook with the Face F, uh, Society RC uh, group chat. I'll have a link in the show notes here for you to um, join the chat if you like. And thank you for listening. And you know, either email me or Twitter at me. And, um, at Society RC, or you can email me at, um, Thank you for listening. Please rate and review either through iTunes or Stitchers or any of the podcasting apps that you're currently using to listen to this show. Thank you, and until next time. This has been a Horosha Shot Space Odyssey Network Induction. <laughs>